Welcome to the Win All Day Everyday podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. Uh, my name is Barrett Kropp. I'm the host of the show today. Uh, my guest uh, today is a, a, a great person that we've, um, we've crossed paths in the hockey world over the last number of years and I'm excited to have him on board. Uh, last week we had Adrian Vlaka, who's uh, the high performance director for Gary Roberts uh, training. And so, you know, we had some incredible stories where he's training, you know, McDavid and Bedard and Stamkos and Dreisaitl and just, it was great to hear their stories and just how, you know, Dreisaitl is, is um, changing his, his plans up and, and making an effort to kind of come alongside Connor and then even how Bedard is, uh, is training with them. And it just, it was fascinating to hear it. So I encourage you, if you're, if you're new to our show today, flip back on a few episodes and, and give Adrian a listen. He talks about the champion's mindset. And uh, what excites me about today's show, when we're talking about the segue of championships and, and a champion mindset, um, today's guest is all about championship and leadership. And so he came from, you know, he's a Saskatchewan dude. Um, he captain the Prince Albert Raiders, captain Regina Pats, captain University of Manitoba. Coach in the Saskatchewan Junior League, coach in the Western League with, you know, so in the SJ with Nipwin, um, you know, goes from captaining as a player, the Regina Pats, to coaching the Regina Pats, Brandon Wheat Kings, Seattle Thunderbirds, and then on to the NHL with Ottawa. And then uh, just this last year, um, culminating uh, this last year with the Stanley Cup win with the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'm super excited to, to bring on board. Uh, for today, um, the Assistant Director of Player Personnel, Mr. Bob Lowe's. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks for having me, Barrett. Incredibly exciting for you this past year for, for you guys to, to win the Stanley Cup. What, right off the hop, what was that like? What was it feeling like to win the Cup? Well, we've been close a few times, I, I guess, when we uh, started out of the gates with, uh, with Vegas. Nobody expected us to win, and we got all the way to the Stanley Cup final, and uh, you kind of look at it and you go, can you ever get back here again? You know how hard it is because right. uh, since you've been in the league, like from being in the league for a few years with Ottawa before that, uh, when I got to Ottawa the first year in 07, we got to the Stanley Cup final against Anaheim. And yeah, that was a funny year. I was kind of part-time scout. I didn't really feel a part of it. Uh, but had watched those Ottawa teams before that come very, very close. They had like President Cup teams that uh, couldn't find their way to get to the final or get get to the Stanley Cup final, uh, and you know lost to Toronto, lost to New Jersey. You know it's it's so hard to get there. Uh, we were able to get there the first year. Uh, you just don't know what it's going to look like after that. We had a couple other uh, conference. Uh, you know, runs to the conference finals uh, and you don't get there. And then the year previous to this year, we didn't even make the playoffs. So it, it's, uh, it's tough, but uh, you know, it's, it's funny when you're there putting a the team together, you kind of see how it's made. And uh, we always felt uh, that we had a very good team, a lot of depth in all areas. You just need a little bit of luck Uh and to get your game at the right, uh, at a high level at the right time. And I think that all came together this year. Yeah. So it was, it was exciting. What, uh, did you, have you had your day with the cup yet? Mine's, uh, actually I'm up at the lake, Emma Lake, and I asked to have it at Emma Lake first and, and Regina second. And what happened was, uh, 
uh, you know, you know how scouting never ends. Uh, it was going to be up here because Chandler Stevenson was having it August 1st and at the lake. And it, it's really to get the cup is, is player driven and, and, uh, and then they work from there. And, uh, July 31st, I could have had it, but I'm, I was away at the Alinka. So then you got to pivot. And they said, uh, okay, we have a couple other dates for you. You can get October 2nd to 7th. So we decided to take it on the 7th. My wife uh, just said, let's get it in Regina. Uh, it's a Saturday on the Thanksgiving weekend. The riders are playing. Um, we're doing some initiatives uh, with uh, cancer because it's cancer month. It's breast, breast cancer. My wife uh, went through breast cancer 10 years ago. So we're uh, we're doing some initiatives and some fundraising for breast cancer as well as being able to have it uh, with the family on October 7th. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's amazing. Really, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Like I said, you're you're a leader and you're always looking for ways to give back. And so that's just that's exciting to to be able to take it back to Regina, but also just to, to you know, dovetail some other stuff into it. Good on you guys. Um, you, you touched on it a little bit there with, with Vegas and, you know, being there from, from day one sort of thing and, and building, building a, a, really a juggernaut, right? Like how, how did you guys, what, what were you, when you're building it and you got that expansion draft and then the pieces that you added through free agency and, and then you're drafting, of course, what are some of the things that you're looking for in your players? What is it that from a character side that you're looking for? The biggest thing you have to look at is you have to, the, the NHL's, so good the players are so good the the talent and i i i think right away you have to have enough talent you start with the talent level uh you know i think it's a real interesting thing i was reading the other day uh you know bill belichick said it he said talent gets you to your floor character gets you to your ceiling so i think you have to have enough talent to play in the league uh and then you look at intangibles from there. I think that really uh, allows you to meet your, uh, you know, potential uh, to get there. Because when we're scouting them, as you know, they're still quite young, teenagers, and uh, there's still a lot of growth and development left there. So, in order uh, to get there, there's a lot of work that has to go into it. And I think you just touched on it with your introduction with Gary Roberts uh, and how they're developing players. Uh, and that's where it starts. Those top players, they've got something different in them that they want to be the best. So they're going to invest and they invest every day and they invest physically, emotionally. Uh, they put their best foot forward to want to be the best and want to be champions. And, and I think that's the character you look at. And because uh, it isn't, you know, you, you have a, you have to have enough talent. It's let's be honest. Yeah. Yet some guys can, can, you know, we, we, we say some guys will themselves to get there and you find those guys, but let's for the moment, you know, for the most part, you have to be good enough to play. And, and an example I'll use is Braden McNabb, who, it's from Davidson, but played in Kootenai. Uh, people, and he's a defensive defenseman for us. He's big, he's physical, he's strong. People forget that he had almost a point a game in the Western League his last year. 
so there, there, there's a there's a talent level that he reached at a lower level to be very, very good and to have some offensive talent. Yet when he gets to the NHL, he's more defined in his role. But you, for for example, you cannot be a defensive defenseman in junior and be a defensive defenseman in the NHL. It's it's too hard. Uh, I use Barrett Jackman as another example was all world for Regina, right? He played power play, penalty kill. He was out in the ice all the time. He gets to the world junior and he plays more of a shutdown defensive role. And that was his role in the NHL. But he had that enough talent that he was just the best defenseman on his team and one of the best defensemen in the league. So there's there's examples of it everywhere, and those are just some of them that come to mind when we speak of it. That's a great point. You can't substitute that for sure. You gotta you gotta have that, and then all those other intangibles. You know, that's that's where you guys come in as scouts to really find what those other intangibles are, because I think everyone will recognize talent, right? It, it's finding that extra secret sauce that a player might have. Yeah, the due diligence. I think we take a lot of pride in doing our due diligence uh, and finding out more about that player. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, through their, through their coaches, through their billets, through, you know, just any way, there's no secrets. I always say hockey's like uh, one or two degrees of separation, not six. Like everybody, somebody knows somebody that knows that player. For sure. And, and I'll tell you, one of the best at it is Kelly McCrimmon and finding out about players and knowing somebody that knows that player. And people don't realize when we're doing even a trade, at the NHL level, there's a huge uh, vetting going on as well, too. So, uh, you know, I look at Jack Eichel, for example. Everybody had this certain perception of him. We had done enough work to know uh, that uh, there's some championship pedigree in there. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Let's just switch gears a little bit. Um, throw back to 20-plus years ago when you're the guy behind the bench, not... Uh, you know, not not hunting for talent, but you're on the bench. Is there much of a mindset change for you as a coach to being you as a you know a scout and a player development guy now? Like what when you're on the bench, who did you trust to go out there for those special moments of end of games or power plays and stuff like that? What was what was your mindset as a coach? I think you you have to uh, instill that trust in your players, but also those players of certain character players come back and uh, make it easy for you to put them on the ice. And, and it comes back to the character uh, and, and, and abilities. But, uh, you know, leadership, character. You know, we're going through it now. Uh, Ryan Craig, who was a player that I coached, he, he was a special player when he was 15 years old. He just had a, a level of, when we we brought him up in Kamloops, he just had this maturity about him that, you uh, uh, you know, he's very focused, very driven, uh, and not just, uh, you know, every day he showed up and he went to work and he was very professional about it. Uh, you know, and he looked at practices. We used to say practices uh, weren't just what we did on the off day. That's how we get better. Like, that's how you get better every day. And, uh, and it's incremental. Uh, and that's how you learn which players to kind of trust, which players uh, – will do things in practice that uh, show you that they're probably ready for things in a game. And there's some experiment, experimentation too, throughout the year, uh, 
trying to see who works. It's no different than changing up your lines or your D pairs or experimenting with who should be on the ice. I think you have a, a mindset of who those guys are, but they're, you don't have a full appreciation of it until you get down to the end of the year. And I think it's through trials and tribulations that you've been through with your team. Uh, and it doesn't hurt to give certain guys opportunities. Uh, I, you know, some guys, uh, as a coach, uh, it's, it's not about perfection. It's about excellence, pushing for that excellence. But I remember I made some mistakes. Uh, a lot of times there's certain nights, uh, you know, maybe I didn't give a guy enough ice time. Uh, I would recognize it myself sometimes or where I made mis- mistakes. But a lot of times if a player came up to me and was honest about it, uh, I would just say to him, uh, I'll, you know, sure. I said, there's uh, opportunity. Uh, you know, if I, I, I would explain it to them. I think they always deserve to have an explanation, but sometimes it just happened. So then I, I, I would say to him, well, I'll, I'll, you know, take that into consideration. I'll give you that opportunity, but it's up to you to be ready. And uh, for me, though, take the entitlement out of it, right? I, I just have a tough time with, you know, when when players think they're, they're entitled to something that they have to earn, right? Mm-hmm. I still think that's in the game. Uh, I still think that uh, you have to earn your earn your ice time, earn your coach's trust. Uh, right. But part of that, the coach should be open enough to know that he's not perfect and that there's mistakes made. And I, I made tons of mistakes. Uh, but part of it is reflecting back and saying, okay, I should have, you know, and I, I came to like, I remember a few games in the Western league and we got into a game and maybe your fourth line didn't get as much ice time. And I would go to them and just say, guys, I lost you. It was one of those games. I'll make it up to you. Uh, you guys are an important part of our team. Uh, we got to get you on the ice. So you got to find, and that might be a game where there's a lot of specialty teams in that fourth line. There's some of those guys that don't play specialty teams. Then it's up to you to get those guys on the ice and get them back involved in the game. And then there's certain nights we just cut the, we'd have to cut it short if we were behind to try to come back and you just explain to them. But if you had their trust, they'll give you everything. Uh, when we, when I won a championship and nip one, and when I, we won a championship in uh, in uh, Brandon in the Western League, both teams had very good fourth lines, role players that helped us win. And then I look at our NHL team that won this year. Our fourth line was so important to our success. And your fifth, sixth, D, everybody's got a role to play. I think now everybody plays. It's important to get everybody involved. And... Uh, that's a good thing more so in hockey right now is I think it's coming that every player that dresses needs to give you something to win. Yeah, that's, that's some great analogies there in terms of just that entitlement, the, the part where there's such a fine line between entitlement and confidence, right? You want your player to have confidence, but yes. not just being like, you, des- like I owe, you owe me this. And, and so whenever you see a player that has that entitlement mentality, it's really hard to, to throw trust onto him, right? It takes a lot longer than a guy that's just willing to go through a wall for you. And I think you, you touched also on a point there, um, that line of communication is so important, right? For you as a coach to recognize it and, and to communicate to them, even before they come to you and start whining or complaining, it's it's like, hey, I, you know, I lost you, let's, let's make sure you keep doing your thing, I'm gonna get back to you on this. 
Um, but also I think it's important for players to understand, you know, it's not up to mom and dad or my agent to co go and talk to the coach. Like I, I got to have the maturity and the courage to own some of that trust myself and go sit down and, and not pester a coach every day and being like, why am I not getting the ice time? But just have an honest conversation. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. And I, I, I think you respect that. Uh, uh, for me, I, 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 I would make a conscious effort to make sure where everybody knew where they fit. And, you know, it's sometimes it's still that 2080 principle. You spend 80% of your time on 20% of your players. And, and you got to try to get away from that. Like there's the guys that, you know, every day are going to show up and give you everything. And, and, and uh, you know, nobody's per like, you're going to have other guys that are disgruntled or guys that you have to try to, you know, kind of keep in line. Like not, not everybody's a, a model citizen. <laughs> and so you have to make sure you're still touching base with everybody. Uh, even the guys that you think don't need it. You still have like that kind of are self uh, self motivated and, and that you still have to touch base with them just to even see how they are. And then uh, the other guys, you just got to make sure you're spending your time on them. But if you do a good enough job with the guys, your, your top guys, they help feed your culture as well too. Right. Like <laughs> that a lot of things can be done in house by the players. Once you get your culture the way way you need it and what and what's expected of your players like you know you're expected to work show up every day on time and work hard give everything you can in practice and you know different you know obviously that's pretty simple but you know there's other things that you know when you're doing off ice training you know uh you know whatever that is is to make sure that you're uh, doing that as well too and putting putting your best foot forward there so yeah, your culture uh, gets set by the leadership of your coaches you know it, it comes all the way down it comes from ownership management down to your coach and then you, you, you the players are the best at managing anything or managing your team better than the coaches themselves so so yeah. that that's a big part of it yeah, and I mean, you, you guys there in Vegas, uh, you know, your ownership group from you know, the stories that are told was, you know, in six years we're winning the cup. And, you know, everything stemmed from there in terms of how you guys went about from day one, selecting your players, the culture, you know. I, I, I get the feeling anyhow, maybe you can correct me here, but you guys were about developing that culture through trust, through uh, making sure you had the right players, of course, that had the right talent. But... The sort of just fostering that where everyone in the organization trusted each other and that's what developed a champion. It wasn't, you didn't magically go out and find, you know, the just talented guys and let them go. They had to come in in, in the incubator that you guys created of your culture and, and that's what produced the champion. Comes right from your ownership. Uh, I know that from being in two different places and I won't get into Ottawa, but uh, just in Vegas from Mr. Foley, uh, you know, it goes down to George McPhee and then Kelly McCrimmon and it just gets fed down through the organization. And, and we have a very good culture uh, through management, which goes into, uh, you know, all the way through hockey ops and everything. And then it, it goes to the team and, and even our sports science people, our equipment, everybody has the role to play. Everybody, I think, knows, feels important. Uh, but also that culture is there as well too, 
and then your players as well. And we, and we haven't been perfect. Like, like it's hard to be perfect. We've, we've made some mistakes. We've had some things kind of blow up on us. We've had some things go well for us, but you, you just got to stick with it and uh, believe in what you believe and, and know that if you believe in it, it'll eventually come around. And we, you know, we've had to, uh, we're on our third coach, so it's not perfect there either. Uh, I think each coach kind of brought us to a certain level, but the last coach that we hired, Bruce Cassidy, was uh, the final piece, I think, of the puzzle that kind of got us over the hump and uh, got our team to play the way we needed it to play uh, and the structure that we needed to play uh, in all areas in order to win. So hmm. it's it's fine-tuning all the time, and then and then you can't rest. Um, you know, we were two days later or three days after or four days after we won the Cup we're getting ready for the draft, but also looking at uh, free agency. Uh, we want to sign Ivan Barbashev in order to sign Ivan Barbashev. Uh, we got to get rid of one of the most important guys we've had in our team, Riley Smith. And it, it, it's hard because Riley's was the consummate pro, been there since, from day one. Uh, you got to make those tough decisions. And you go back, we did it with Flurry when we went back and did it with Flurry even. So yeah, there's some tough decisions all the way through. That's one thing I give Kelly credit for. He has a, he, once he wraps his head around it, he's going to do it. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and he takes a lot of heat for it. Right. And took a lot of heat, but uh, for all the decisions going right back to Flurry, uh, you know, we, but we made some huge moves, you know, to be able to trade for Mark Stone and, and uh, you know, Jack Eichel, you shouldn't be able to trade for those guys. Right. And, and to be able to trade for those guys, you know, and then going to get uh, Petro Angelo uh, in, in free agency was a huge one as well, too. Uh, you know, all these guys were captains on their teams. And, that, and I think that goes back to feeding our culture as well, too. Uh, but it, it's, uh, it's an ongoing thing. It's just daily. You gotta, you know, we're still, you know, working through things and different things come up and you have to address them and, and be prepared to, to work through it with uh, what it is. The team is always the first, you know, is, is first, uh, and that, and that has to come first and then everything after that has to fall in place. So, yeah. uh, um, when I was, at Trinity Western University, and we're moving from the college ranks to the university, I, I gave Gardner McDougall a call out at UNB and just said, you guys have got a juggernaut. What, what is your secret sauce out here? And without hesitation, he said, we recruit captains. And uh, if you look at their roster, it, pretty much every guy on there has either had a C or an A. And, um, you know, so we started modeling that at Trinity. We started, you know, understanding that if, if they could be a leader – whether it's a 20-year-old captain or even an 18-, 19-year-old captain at a junior team, um, we knew that that was going to help us set our culture. And as you as we talk now about your role as a scout and you're out there pounding the pavement, whether you're over in Europe at Halenka or just, you know, in rinks from Flin Flon to <laughs> Vancouver, what, what are you looking at? It Like, obviously, not everybody can be a captain, and that's not, you know, necessary on the top of your list that the, the kid's got to have a C on his jersey. But um, as a scout, what are you doing now that's different than a coach that um, still, 
you feel is like a, a critical part to helping your team move towards that culture of excellence? You know, it's funny when I, I got my first job, uh, Frank Jay, who is a longtime scout uh, who's passed away since, but gave me my first opportunity. I uh, had been with New Jersey for a long time and then was running Ottawa. Uh, in my interview, it was a quick interview. He said, I know, I've, I know who you are. I've had a couple of references. He says, all I want to know, are you going to scout like a coach? And I said, well, I don't know. I haven't really done a whole lot of scouting. But I said, I, I said maybe some of it, because I said, I think some of the things that you learn as a coach can help you as a scout. But, you, but it has to be focused on individual players, not how a team's playing, right? So you have to kind of get away from, well, what are they doing on the power play? What are, you know, how are they forechecking, you know? You can't look at the team. You got to kind of throw that out and just look at the individual. Uh, I think the first thing that has to come, like I said, is talent, but also like maybe talent for some players doesn't bring you to them right away, but over a constant time, uh, just their uh, resiliency effort continue to show up and, and work. Uh to play and do the little things well, which you recognize as a coach, I think, what that looks like. So uh, little details to their game. Uh, and also if the other coach, the coach that is coaching them now, uh, you're watching and trust them in certain situations too. It tells you a lot about that kid as well too. Right. So I, I think all those things help you. I think the intangibles, like I say, are, are so important. Uh, and some guys can be a little slow to get on little uh, take a little bit of time to get on your radar. You know, we're seeing now that kids are getting drafted at 19, even that have been through two drafts. Kids are getting opportunities as free agents. Like we've, we've had a lot of success with our free agent, uh, 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 defenseman. We, 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 it started with, uh, Dylan Coughlin who played in tri cities, uh, had, you know, two or three really, really good years. We brought him to camp, uh, signed him as a free agent. He's playing in the NHL now. Uh, he played for us. We are, we put him in the deal with Pacioretty to go to Carolina. Carolina just signed him again. Uh, Zach Whitecloud, who we, who, who we signed uh, out of college, who's playing with us now as a free agent. Braden Pahal, who's a PA boy from Estevan kid that uh, was captain of PA. Uh, and... Uh, what, what brought us to Braden is his competitiveness and being a captain, that same thing. Uh, like you said, you can't get all those guys, you know, all those guys can't be, especially when they're 17, it's hard for them to be a leader on their team per se. They're just trying to find their way. But for the older players, you expect that of them. Uh, or through our development, we expect our players when they're 19, if we draft them at 17, to be leaders on their team. Right. So we we push for that. We look for that. Maybe uh, if they've been a leader in minor hockey. Right. If they've been one of the you know better character kids in minor hockey on their team. So uh, how they treat their teammates, how they interact with their coaches, just how what type of citizen they are uh, is huge. Yeah. But it, it all takes some time to get there. Sometimes you, you, you can see sometimes on the ice. Other times you can. Other times, it, uh, what I say to to players, or what I would say, is just never give up. Just 
it's it's hard. There's only seven rounds in the draft now. There's guys getting drafted from all over the world. There's not many players, but it's easy to say, "Well, I wasn't drafted. I'm not going." Well, if that's your mentality, then you aren't going to make it. But if you stick with it, uh, there's still an opportunity. And for me, I, I don't. I used to look at players that played in junior and played for me. The guys that didn't go on and play in the NHL didn't fail. There, there's there. They've done very well for themselves. Like very, uh, uh, for me, it was about uh, have you maximized your abilities? Have you have you because not everybody's good enough to play in the NHL, but have you given yourself every opportunity? If that's your dream, have you given yourself every opportunity? And if you weren't able to get there, you didn't fail, right? A lot of the things that you've learned through trying to get there and be there, you'll be successful at whatever you decide to choose outside of hockey or you have uh opportunity to maybe get into hockey like i was never good enough to play in the nhl i think i maximized playing in the cis or it was can west but it allowed me to get experience and know that i wanted to stay in hockey after so uh all those things and then the ultimate goal was to be in the nhl well when i couldn't play there then i wanted to coach there then when i wasn't good enough to coach there i i, I kept at it and was able to scout there and then you don't know how far you can go with it can you are you just going to be a part-time scout are you going to be a regional scout are you going to be able to be a head scout you know it's just you just keep with it and don't never lose that dream but just if you if if but all but I, I refer back I'm sorry to jump around but I look back at all the experiences I had the great coaches I had the mentors I had uh helped me get to where I am today and I, I, I think uh, you can be successful in a lot of different things and I think turning out we used to say we're in the in the job of turning out better people not necessarily better players but I always believe the best player you can become is as good a person as you can become mm-hmm. I used to I used to say that too I, I think it's there's a correlation there too so for sure that's a, I don't know if that answers your question or yeah, whatever. No, I, sure. I get rambling sometimes. I, I get excited about talking about this sometimes. My wife gets a little when she, when I get around people with when we talk hockey. She just said, "Oh, here he goes! Like get on the soapbox." But it, but it is like it 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 uh, uh, you know like you said, and you go back to Gardner. He he he. Those guys have now got their program where they can pick who they want, right? They're, they're, uh, they're at a, such a level, so he can just hand-pick guys and be very, very, uh, I guess, picky, I guess is the right word, and scrutinize things uh, and only need, need a few guys, but he can go in and say, okay, I'm gonna, I really like that guy. We need a defenseman, and he might be the captain of Kelowna. Is a really, he's been there for four or five years. He's worked his way up. He's exactly what we want, and we're going to go after that guy, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what they've built. Uh, character, you can never have enough character. Mm-hmm. Hey, like that's just you're, you're never going to have too much of that. Yeah, know? for sure. Let's just switch gears a little bit. It, it's a bit of a segue, you know, when you're talking, you know, with that coach to scout, and you're you know you're not looking at the individual player um, as opposed to what they can do in a, a system that a team has. Um, the landscape in Canada. North America for hockey is is changed. 
at warp speed even this year with the BCHL sort of going their route and how the you know now they've got a rogue feeder system through the JPHL. Um, the pathway for a player is is not standard play minor hockey, play you know triple A's, go to junior. It's ten different directions now. Um, as a scout. <laughs> Where, where do you guys land on some of that pathway stuff? Like, have you made sense of it yet? Do you, do you lean one way or the other? Like, what what's your thoughts? It's a little bit younger, the pathway. For us, our pathway is still, you know, major junior, uh, USHL, per se, in the States or college, uh, Europe. You know, obviously, uh, kids are playing at all different levels. Uh, you know, for me, it's just go to the place that – uh, is best for you, I think. Uh, for me, though, the skill development, I think with the academies has made the skill level uh, because I think kids have more time on the ice to uh, develop skills. Uh, but it still comes down to, uh, and this is another thing we look at too, is hockey sense as well too, right? And that's something that's hard to teach, right? So, uh, you know, you can have enough skill, but if you can't kind of apply it on the ice, but I, I think you start with talent, you start with skill, you know, hockey sense, the intangible things have to come out. Uh, I just think if you can have enough competitiveness within your leagues is important too. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing, I think when academies first started, they had a tough time finding enough competition to play right in their areas. I think now, They've done a very, uh, you know, much better job of playing a few more games uh, or making sure their games are competitive and having a competitive league. And I think that's probably expanding uh, as, you know, each year. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it because you still have to be able to play and you still have to be able to apply the skill sets, right? Because yeah. it still comes down to we don't go and watch a kid do a skill set. Right. But we'll go watch to see him play in a game. Right? right. And use those skills. Yeah. And use those skills. And it's not enough just to have skill. Then the intangible things come out. The skill sure helps. Right. Right. Because you have to have enough talent. But then you've got to be able to apply that talent and play, uh, you know, play with some details, uh, be able to play with other players on the ice. How do you utilize other players? Um, you know, all those things. I, I, I think. The academies, for me, uh, are addressing the talent uh, part of things or the skill level, uh, working on skills. Uh, but for me, too, I, I still believe that kids should play other sports as well, too. Like, it's really, really important. Uh, we talk uh, about that quite a bit. I know it's hard because you get to a certain age in Canada or U.S. Even you have to be sports specific. We like to ask the question to a lot of the players: What did they play growing up? You know, what other sports did they play, and and how far and what level did they get to? Uh, I think that's important too. I think athleticism is a big part of it as well too. And you know, it's funny uh, you kind of get into it. And where I found that in Ottawa, our uh, uh, strength and conditioning guy said, we got a couple of guys who don't even know how to throw a football. And I went, what? <laughs> right. Like, like you don't know how to throw a football. And yet then there's Alexei Kovalev who we've had. He loved throwing a football around before the game. 
guys would go play soccer and he'd think because he was a Russian and that he loved there's a little nerf football and he he would warm up by throwing a football and you'd think that would be some guy from either right. states or Canada or whatever so it's kind of interesting but uh yeah playing other sports I think is important as well too if you can incorporate in that a little bit uh you know you don't need guys getting hurt but uh, just kids playing different sports, just uh, hand-eye coordination and just movement, I think is important as well. Important as well too. You at a at a academy might have ability to kind of do that a little bit more with your players. Especially, I look at when does your season end? Like usually it's at March or yeah, I'm in March, but then we're still on the ice every day till the end of that's June. That's what I mean. But yeah. but you, you have a chance to incorporate other things maybe into that yeah right? for sure and that's that was one of the things for me that that really surprised me about the academy side of it is you know because it's part of your school day like our on ice the 75 minutes on ice 75 minutes in the gym that's part of their education yeah. so really they've yeah. got the rest of their afternoon whereas if they stayed in in minor hockey and they're from a small town they got to drive an hour and a half at nine o'clock yeah. at night to that practice they're getting home exhausted they got no time to do those extra sporting activities or yeah hand-eye coordination drills, whereas our guys, like, you know, classes and training are done at 3.45, 4 o'clock, and then we, you know, continue to get them involved in other activities and other, yep. you know, stuff. And, you know, last year, I think the Western League Bantam draft, there was, I think, like 55% of kids drafted came out of academy hockey, right? Yep. So the, the shift is happening. Those players are getting at a younger age. I know it, you know, drives the cost up on, on development, but, you know, families also then need to look at if when, if they're not part of academy hockey, they're still spending crazy amounts of money for spring hockey and going to all these other showcases and trying to find power skating coaches and shooting coaches where as an academy, we, that's all in house. And so I think we're, for me, I was, I was really impressed with how competitive the league is. Um, how focused they are in the education so that you keep that pathway open. Like you said, if you don't make it, you're not drafted to the NHL, you don't play pro, you've still got a great education that you can get out of it and, and you become a successful business person or a teacher or whatever. So for me, those are the two things that really you know opened my eyes from a, an, an academy perspective, not being in, involved for a number of years and, and just coming back to Saskatchewan to be here at Prairie. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it, it, it's right where we need to continue to develop this character that you talk about, um, but at the same time, make sure that the the skills there and and some of those other soft skills are coming alongside of it. And I, I it's funny you talk about the education because we we always thought that was huge, an important part. Uh, it's funny when uh, parents would come to us, and I'd say the biggest the biggest question shouldn't be how much ice time is my son going to get? It should be, uh, can he maintain his schooling? Right. And, 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 uh, uh, you know, can he get a good education? I guess is the right way. And where's he going to live? Right. Is he going to be looked after? Right. right? Th for me, those are the priorities. And then the third is the hockey. That's, that's what I always thought of my own son, like, you know, get a, you know, be looked after where you're living and, and make sure it's comfortable and, and that you're looked after and that you're not taking a dip in education. We're not saying we're going to make them a better 
student than he was, but it did happen with a lot of our guys because we had, you know, we had study halls. We had, uh, we were able to start incorporating, getting, uh, 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 getting them help as well, uh, uh, tutors. So all those things to help their education. But for me, if you're a parent, those are the things and the academies can, can check those off pretty easily. Right. And then it comes down to the hockey and then, uh, make them a better player and having the resources to make them a better player as well too. So all those are the three things for me that, that need to be addressed. And, uh, because they're, you know, you need to develop a well-rounded person as well too. And education does that also, uh, moving away from home can, you know, force them to grow up too. We've got uh, a segment on the on the show called Guide and Provide. It's just kind of a, a an information piece. It's almost like you know some advice that we share with families because we get parents, whether they're at our academy or just you know uh, at our camps and different things like that. They're always asking, you know, what should I be doing for my son or my daughter and in, in these different areas. So from your perspective, you like I said, you you know, captain as a player, went through the coaching ranks. You know, your player development guy now. What is some advice that you would give to the three different groups? What what would you, uh, a, a cheat code that you would give to parents, a cheat code that you would give to uh, a U15, U17 player, and then also a, a cheat code or some advice that you would give to uh, a young coach that's wanting to, you know, move from uh, playing to work his way through the coaching ranks? For me, for parents, I think it's uh, less is more. Is if you know what that means, like don't uh, less is more for you with them. Like help them, give them resources, but then back off. I think a little bit. Like uh, put them in the right hands and let the people that are doing that uh, let them coach them. Let them uh, do, do things that, uh, you know, help them to get better. I think sometimes you don't, I think sometimes as parents, we feel we got to be so involved, right. Or we're not doing our job. Well, if you've put them in the right spot, like sending them to the Academy and, and everything's taken care of, like I said, education and, and everything, uh, let the people there do their job and, and work with them. Uh, if you have some concerns, don't always uh, like let the, your son or daughter deal with it at times. But also, if there are some, you can always come and, and you don't necessarily have to address it with your son or daughter all the time. Right. Uh, that's part of growing up. It's part of finding their way is allowing them to make mistakes sometimes, uh, but also be coachable. Right. And uh, if you trust the people that you've put to do that or uh, put them in the hands to do that, just back off a little bit and be a parent in other areas, right? <clears throat> you don't have to be the parent in the sport or in hockey, right? Or be the coach, right? Or, uh, you know, be hard on them. If they're not living up to what that expectation is of you or whatever, then I'm sure the coach knows that as well too. But also sometimes parents have too high expectation as well too. And just allow them less is more. Let, allow them to be 
allow them to be kids, allow them to be young adults. Uh, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect world. It's not a perfect science. So I think less is more. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, for, for sure. It's the, for a the, player, good advice. For a player, uh, I would just be ready to uh, 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 be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like be put, be allow yourself to be pushed a little bit, if that's what you're there for. And I'm and I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying it. Uh, in order to get better, you got to be comfortable. Uh, you know, being uncomfortable. Like you have to be willing to give more, to do more, to work harder, to if you really want to get better. Uh, so be comfortable being uncomfortable. It's easy to do things when it's easy. Like when things are easy, everybody would be doing it, right? So if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So uh, do, do the, you know, uh, work on the things you're not good at, right? If you got a good shot, well, don't just go out and shoot pucks because you're good at it, right? Work at the other things that you're not as good at. If you need, uh, you know, for a defenseman, if it's pivoting or quickness or quickness drills, work on the things you're not good at. Right. And work harder to get get those up to the level of the things that you are good at. Right. So and, and allow your coach to coach you to be coachable, be mm-hmm. coachable. But being comfortable, being uncomfortable is is something that I would say uh, a lot of. As a young age, kids are trying to find their way and it's hard with peer pressure and not looking you know, not being perfect at something, right? But it's uh, is to put yourself out there to work at it and to get better at it. That's awesome. And for a coach, I would just say uh, do just continue to work at your craft. Can continue to uh, be diligent in getting better and addressing your flaws as well too. But just uh, and and for me, I always uh, and we talk about a lot too is be uh, be fully engaged in what you're doing at this time in your career. Right? You can't you can't. Uh, for me, it's some people they get a job and then they're looking for their next job, right? And they're not fully engaged in the job that they're doing because they're already looking at that next job or trying to get to that level. I think if you do, I think if you do your, like I never, and I'll be honest, I never conducted myself that way. I always looked at the job at hand. I think at the end of the year, you have time to reflect and say, okay, what are my opportunities? What does it look like? How do I maybe get there? But when you're fully immersed in that job, or when you're in that job, fully immerse yourself in that job and do the best job you can. And it's so different. And I look at it. If this is your group of players, don't look at, well, we don't have this. We don't have that. Coach the kids you have and do the best job you can. Keep continuing working to get better and address your weaknesses as well, too. Um, you know, I'd go back to a long time ago. I, when I first got to Brian, I was never good at the power play. And it was still... And it's funny, I got there, you know, I thought head coach, got to be, well, 
Kelly came to me and he said, well, Mark Johnson, our assistant, is really good at the pen, power play. He said, I know you're good at penalty kill. We're number one in the league in penalty kill. Our power play isn't very good. He said, if you let Johnny do it, he said, I know he can do a really good job. And you know what? I learned from him. Like, I learned more from him. He taught me, and I was the head coach. So there's just continue to look at things you can get better, utilize people around you, uh, and do the job with your group of people uh, and the team you're coaching. Don't look anywhere else. Just look at that and focus on that. I don't know if that's, yeah, that's good, good advice. No, I think it's on, on all those fronts, whether it's for, you know, the parents, uh, just that guide and provide this, you know, Give them the opportunity and and let them let them do their thing. You know, love them whether they score yeah. a hat trick or a shutout or win or lose. Like just keep loving them, right? Um, and for for yeah, players, yeah, love shouldn't be equated on how well they play. Like that's that's not like it's like uh, just like they're gonna fail. They're gonna play good sometimes. They're gonna play bad. Yeah, so that's yeah, life for life. sure. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I love that uncomfortable. Like just being willing to be uncomfortable. I think that's such a great piece of advice for players. Like they, you, you, it, it's easy. Like if you're always the best player on your team, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to grow and develop. You, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to find ways to, to grow. Well, I'll, I'll use an example. Uh, uh, just a recent example that made me think is uh, the Barlow kid that plays in uh, Owen Sound, Kobe Barlow. He uh, played in the summer, uh, at uh, and he's a great example for everything we've been talking about. So last summer in Alinka, he's playing when it was in Redder, he's playing on the fourth line, killing penalties, uh, and doing a hell of a job. He scored 30 some goals as a 16 year old, and he's playing on the fourth line. We all know that Alinka team can be stacked, eh? it's the best kids in camp. Takes his role, plays really, really well, goes back to his team in Owen Sound. Well, he's the captain at 17. You know, which is unheard, you know, that doesn't usually right. happen. Has a great year, uh, scores 40 some goals, comes back in the spring when there's less guys and he's playing on the first line where he probably first top two lines. But when you interviewed him, he, and there's other guys in between there that kind of we'd heard weren't happy with the roles and stuff like that this guy because he was just character stayed and and was humble and worked he he got drafted in the first round got drafted high by winnipeg but uh he was captain for a reason but in the end we asked him about it in his interview he said well it's a good team you know you got to be willing to accept your your role and, and, you know, we said, but a lot of guys, you know, he said, well, you're on a team for a reason. Uh, you know, you could just see the character and you know that that kid is going to give everything he can to be the best he can be. Right. But he was accepting of less uh, on, a, on a very good team. And in the spring, he ended up being one of the top. And he played, played I think, with a broken wrist or something like that. Like he, uh, but he... he uh, it was just an interesting and, and and he came from it's funny uh his background if you and then when you started digging into his background and how he grew up and his family it, it, there's a reason why right like how he was raised was yeah. uh a big part of it right and uh so that's just an interesting story to throw yeah. out there so two final questions one 
comes back to what you're just talking about around the, the draft, like with the NHL draft and the players go through all their, you know, the combine and measuring their fitness level and their VO2 and all those, like those metric. And then there's the, the daunted interview that you've alluded to. Um, what, is there some sort of inside info that you can give a young player in terms of if he's going into this year of his draft? Like what, how, how does a kid get ready for, for that kind of an interview and that pressure that would come with it? For me, I, I would say just, uh, what, what I don't like is maybe when they've been coached to say certain things or, uh, to maybe upsell themselves. I, 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 for me, you know, every team has a different approach is what I'd say for us. We like to, uh, our approach is self-evaluation. Like you only have 20 minutes with them. So a self-assessment for me is really, really important to be able to assess yourself. So we ask a lot of questions on them, assessing themselves, strengths, weaknesses, different times of the year, knowing that we've seen them play, how would they evaluate how they played? We already know the answer, right? Uh, so you don't need to, I guess, baffle us a little bit with bull crap. I think you just need to be honest and we have more respect for somebody that's honest when they played bad or told you, Hey, I played pretty good there. Yeah, you did play pretty good. Like you assess yourself, like don't undersell yourself either. Right. And then also not upsell yourself, like be honest, be genuine, uh, answer the questions as honestly as you can without being pre-coached and trying to sell us on something. That's, that's what I would say. I think you'd get more of a favorable response from teams than not and different teams do it different some teams run it guys and ask other teams uh you know don't ask that many some of them have psychology questions to answer and stuff for us we just kind of try to get to know the player a lot of times we already know a lot about them already because we've done our due diligence because we've had our regional guys interview them because we've sent out a questionnaire uh, during the year that they fill out. And it's not very long. It just gives us general background of their family and a few questions that could kind of give us uh, a little bit of a snapshot of who they are. Uh, you know, we only have 20 minutes, so we try to keep it to more of a self-assessment type things because I think a big part of uh, trying to get better as well is being assess yourself and say, geez, I played really good here or I didn't. And if a guy has a too high of a self-assessment of themselves, it's hard to coach that player too. Mm. Right? It's hard to go to that player. All the best players I ever coached or been involved with, they were the hardest on themselves. Like they knew when they didn't play well. So you didn't have to go to them. And you also knew because they knew they didn't play well, you knew their next game was probably going to be, you know, quite a bit better. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they don't, yeah, they don't, they've self-assessed and said, it's not the guy that said, geez, I, I was pretty good. Well, you weren't good. Like you, you weren't like, and that happens. But, and when you have a bad game, you can't let it, you know, keep on that. Part of getting out of it is realizing when you haven't been as good or have been good in certain areas. And uh, and for me, 
And for me, the answer while I was okay, well, what is okay? Okay mm-hmm. for you isn't necessarily okay for me. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the answer okay. What is okay, right? So we have them assess themselves and do stuff on like a 10-point scale, right? So like, you know, five would be average, I guess, and 10 would be excellent. Mm-hmm. So they just can't say, well, it's okay. Well, what is okay? Were you a five or were you a seven or what do you, what do you think's okay for you? Yeah. So that's, that's just, just be, be a genuine, be yourself. Uh, uh, you know, we try to keep it light so kids aren't too nervous. I don't think you need to, you know, if you kind of get them to be relaxed, I think you get more out of it as well. That's good. Great advice. Uh, in closing, we have, we always wrap up with a story. Um, so I just want to throw the question to you of, you know, maybe it'll spur a story, but in the game of hockey, you've been involved as a player, coach, scout, you've won at every level, you've been a leader at every level. Who, who shaped you? Like who, who impacted you to give you your love for the game? Well, I think, I, I think it starts with your parents. We go just what we're talking about. Uh, and we grew up in a different time. Like we grew up with minor hockey and, playing in your community club and then maybe got on an all-star team and worked from there. Uh, it was a different time, but my dad was heavily involved. He played hockey and coached and uh, was president of our community club too and helped a lot of young kids uh, play. And uh, I know he paid some of their fees uh, so that they could play because I wasn't from a very uh, you know, affluent area. I lived in the east end of Prince Albert, and uh, there's a different demographic there growing up. But my dad uh, did that, so he he was in a, influential to a lot of a lot of kids. I, I have through it's funny uh, through winning the Stanley Cup, I had a lot of people come back to me and tell you, you know, your dad would be proud of you, and your dad was. Uh, you know, big influence on me, right, growing up and stuff like that. So. Uh, at a personal level at home, it would be him and our parents, uh, support from your brothers and sisters, support from your family. Uh, you need support from your significant other and family. And you know, this, I know, you know, this as well as anybody, cause uh, we know each other's stories, but, uh, being in hockey is not easy, uh, on your family life per se. Uh, there's a lot of sacrifices that go with it. So you need, you need your uh, you need your family support in order to get there, and then I go back to my coaches growing up, but also my coaches in uh, you know I had Perry Simpson who I was lucky enough to be involved with who shaped me uh, a lot. Uh, Bob Strum was another one that, uh, uh, and I've been in contact with both of them since winning the cup and. Uh, I think that's kind of neat, but probably my biggest mentor on the coaching side was Wayne Fleming. And uh, it's funny, Von Carpen and I both are, we call ourselves Flemers boys because we came through the University of Manitoba. What Flem brought for me on a coaching side and on a playing side, he made me the best player I'd ever been. And, you know, it's funny, you go to college and you don't think you can get any better coming out of the Western League, but he made me a better player and it was short lived. But then I got to start coaching with him and he just taught me how uh, to look at the game in a different way, to be prepared, uh, how to put a strong practice together, how to be prepared for a game. 
And I think it really, really uh, gave me the confidence when I went to nip one and kept moving that, uh, uh, or kept moving up the ranks that it just gave me that confidence to be able to look at the game in a certain way. And there's nothing, uh, nothing replaces hard work and preparation, whether it be for your practices or for games. And, uh, yeah, so those are the mentors. It's funny you get to reflect when you, uh, and you hate to refer, but the, you, you look at the Stanley Cup, there's a lot of things that come out of it, and it, and it forces you to reflect back on what you've done in your career and uh, who's helped you along the way. Yeah, that's great. I really, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your, um, I remember back in the early 2000s, we just moved back from the Czech Republic and uh, had the chance to be a fly in the wall in your office working with your Czech players, yeah. uh, Ivo Kartina and uh, Robin Kovach. And, yep. And, yep. and we appreciated that. I thought it was so important uh, uh, what you did with them to help them. Uh, and it also, I always say it's funny, different situations provide you with opportunities to meet people or to... Uh, form, I guess, friendships and, and relationships with people. And I go back for you and I, uh, yeah. I know it goes back to PA before playing midget there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then my sister, you knew my sister. And then, so it's funny when we were looking for somebody, I already knew who you were, hadn't really, you know, met, knew who you hadn't had a real relationship with you, yeah. but uh, but it goes all the way back that far. And then you build that relationship from there. And then we've stayed in touch ever since I followed your, your career. Yeah. And I remember just yeah. seeing when you talk about that hard work, I remember just coming in and whether it was before practice to work with the fellas or afterwards and just seeing, you know, like you just always had your nose in a book and you're always working on stuff. And for me, it was a real eye opener of like, it's not just, you know, being out on the ice and, and, running a practice to staying on a bench, like the the grind of what it takes to be a coach was something that I took away from our time there in Regina and, and that I've, you know, tried to make, you know, an enhanced part of my coaching style is just knowing that it, it's going to be a grind and you got to put in the work. And, and so you're one of those guys that's influenced my career in, in, in lots of different ways. And so I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time today. Um, it's an honor to to not just talk to a Stanley Cup champion, but just to see how humble and hardworking you are um, to, you know, give credit back to so many other people in your life. So I, I, I thank you for the time today, Bob. I really do appreciate it and uh, hope that uh, your, the rest of your summer goes well. And that October 7th date in Regina, you know, people get out there and support that. It's going to be a great event and uh, I'm sure we'll see some great photos online about it too. Thanks very much, Barrett, and good luck to you and your academy this year. And if there's anything else I can do, just let me know. Right on. All right. Well, thanks again, Bob. Have a great day. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Win All Day Every Day podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would ask that you follow us on our social media feeds so you can get weekly alerts when we drop a new episode. Plus, if you could leave us a comment and a rating so that other listeners can have the opportunity to hear about this podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. This allows us to grow our awareness of today's show and further episodes. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, and we look forward to seeing you in the future.